and welcome to Native Stories. Native Stories exists to share the voices of those connected to the land. Ready? Okay. Everybody ready? You guys ready? Okay. Aloha. Welcome everyone uh, to our Puni space situated in Kaka'ako on Oahe Street. Um, a small contemporary art gallery focusing on native Hawaiian and artists of Hawaii. Um, a space for people to show their work, to gather, um, to play music, and otherwise um, interact with uh, communities. Um, this exhibition that we're here to celebrate the closing of, Hei Hai Ho Ia, uh, the flag is a sign. Was curated by Joshua Tengan. Sorry, Josh Tengan, and um, someone that I work with as the director of this gallery very closely. And I've been wanting to have him curate something for a long time. So I'm super happy and so pleased with um, the results. And there are two other artists um, who have work in the exhibition who also have a great amount of connection to this place, uh, Nanea Lum, um, an artist uh, from Oahu uh, studying Masters of Fine Arts currently at UH Manoa, and um, a former uh, resident of Aupuni Space Studio and Aupuni Place, uh, the four, um, I don't know how you say that, and then uh, Drew Kahuaina Broderick, who um, previously uh, programmed SPF projects out of this uh, very space. So um, a lot of history with the two artists and the curator. Um, so thank you so much for coming. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Donnie. Um, mahalo everyone for coming. Um, as Zani said, my name is Josh Tengan. Um, I'm a curator, um, arts organizer, and sometimes writer, and um, the curator of this show. Um, I also serve as the uh, board secretary for the nonprofit Pu'uhono Society, who helps to underwrite um, this space. So, mahalo for coming. Um, before I introduce our artists, um, I'll just give some uh, context for the exhibition. Um, so uh, the exhibition Hehai Ho Ailona Ia, the flag is a sign, um, looks at the symbol of the Hawaiian flag and how it is used as a device in contemporary art practice um, among Hawaii artists. Um, the conversation today isn't going to touch so much on the history of the Hawaiian flag, um, but if you're interested in learning more about the history of the high, um, I'd encourage you to um, look up the work of uh, Liana Kainoa Wong, who's done a lot of research around the high. Um, so shout out to Liana, who I haven't met, but mahalo. <laughs> um, I will say that there are a few things that are important to know about the flag. Um, and the first is that the High Hawaii, as we know it today, originated in 1816 with King Kamehameha the Great. Um, and the creation of the flag was a way of asserting um, the Hawaiian kingdom's power and authority on a world stage. Um, it was a way of positioning Hawaii as a modern nation state and a member among the family of nations. Um, second, the deliberate inclusion of the British Union Jack in the design of the high um, was a way of honoring and strengthening diplomatic ties between Hawaii and Great Britain. Um, and then third, um, the high as we know it 
uh, was standardized under Kaui Keauli, and since then, um, the flag of this paina has never changed. Um, even as Hawaii has changed hands from the monarchy to the provisional government, the republic, the republic, and finally to the United States as a territory, um, and then becoming a state. Uh, the exhibition title is derived from the quote, Hehai ho'ailona ia no kaholomua kamaluhia kalokahi amekealoha. Um, it's from the article Kahai Hawaii published on Wednesday, August 15th, 1883 in the Hawaiian newspaper Keko'o o Hawaii. Uh, translated, the quote reads, the flag is a symbol of progress, of peace, of unity, and of aloha. Um, I want to read an excerpt from, the, from this uh, newspaper article um, as a way to kind of give context for the symbol of the flag, specifically the Hawaiian flag. So uh, mahalo to newpepa.org for this translation. <clears throat> in all lands, the flag is a symbol by which a nation is established, and a land without this symbol is a land without a nation. In battlefields on land and sea, the flag guides, the flag directs, and upon the flag lies the hope of all, from the highest general all the way down to the lowest-ranking soldier. For as long as it continues to flutter before their eyes, it, is a symbol, it symbolizes onward progress, whereas if it falls and disappears, this shows their defeat and retreat. It was said a long time ago when a French officer was getting ready to be shot by order of the government for a great wrong he committed, he took out the flag of the Italian nation from his breast and wrapped it, wrapped it about his body and told them to shoot him. But the orders of the nation was not carried out, and the request by the soldier was not agreed to. Why? Because the flag of Italy was sacred. They could not allow it to be abused by shooting at it and making holes in it, with French bullets for no cause. And being that the officer covered himself in the Italian flag, if he was shot, then the Italian flag would have been left with holes. With that, the officer escaped and left the French borders in victory. Our Hawaiian flag is not like that. It is not, a, is not a flag that aids in war or in rebellion, and not at all in rioting, but is a flag that is a symbol of progress, peace, unity, and aloha. And for it, it is appropriate to sing the loving, the loving lines spoken earlier, Kahai nani o Hawaii, e mau ko velo ana, mana velelao makani oneia pai aina. The beautiful flag of Hawaii, may you, for, may you wave forever on the fringes of the wind of these islands. In our flag, we have a steadfast platform of independence, and it is a symbol presenting Hawaii. Look, it is a member of one of the family of nations, along with all great nations of the world. And everywhere which, it, which its fringes extend, it will be recognized, and it will indeed be given respect as all the flags of all the other nations of high standing within that same family do. Um, the rich, layered, complex history of the high makes it an interesting symbol to explore in contemporary art practice and exhibition making. Um, one of the themes that kept coming up in relation to the flag was nationalism. Uh, nationalism can simply be defined as the way one relates to one's nation and the support of its interest. In the West today, Nationalism is often closely linked to conservatism. In the context of Western Europe, um, it's often associated with the breakdown of the European Union. In America, it's been associated with the rise of white nationalism. 
and how white nationalists have suddenly been given a platform through Trump. However, in Hawaii, uh, nationalism is almost exclusively linked to the Hawaiian nation um, and the cultural renaissance that is happening today. Um, so with that, I'd just like to um, introduce, take some time to introduce um, our two artists who will be talking with us today. Um, uh, the first is Drew Kahu'aina Broderick. Um, Drew is an artist, independent curator, and organizer from Mokapu, Oahu. He is the current director of Koa Gallery at Kapi'olani Community College on Oahu. Um, from 2015, he was a contributing member of Hawaii-based collective Paradise Cove, with whom he curated exhibitions and produced art-related events. Um, in 2017, he was an exhibiting artist in the inaugural Honolulu Biennial 2017, Middle of Now Here, curated by Fumio Nanjo and Nahiraka Mason. Uh, between 2012 and 2016, uh, Broderick operated SPF projects, um, an artist-run initi initiative dedicated to building capacity for the production, display, and review of contemporary art in Honolulu. Um, and SPF projects was here just four years ago. Um, Drew holds an MA uh, from the Center for Curatorial Studies at Bard College um, and a BA in Biology and City Art from Wesleyan University. Um, so I'll hand the, uh, the mic over to Drew, um, who'll be talking about his piece in the show. Mahalo to the curator, Josh, for uh, pulling together this vital group exhibition. Mahalo to the director and associate director, Donnie and Malia, for championing this cause. Uh, mahalo also to the venue, uh, Aupuni Space, for um, providing a place for us all to gather. Um, I have a... Uh, a special interest in the, the histories of alternative art spaces and structures in Hawaii. Um, so I'd like to just quickly um, kind of situate Aupuni in a, a much larger uh, process. Um, this is the third iteration of Aupuni. Uh, it started as an idea. Um, an idea that I think is now about 20 years old. Um, an idea of Miley Meyer, my mother. Uh, an idea rooted in communities uh, that, that have supported and continue to support um, Native Hawaiian and uh, artists of Hawaii. Um, uh, the, but prior to its location at 729 Oahe Street, where we are today, uh, Apuni was located at, uh, within the Mea Hawaii at Ward Warehouse, uh, demolished in 2017 to make way for new luxury condominiums um, by the co community development company, the Howard Hughes Corporation. Uh, before existing at Namea Hawaii at Ward Warehouse. Aupuni existed within uh, Native Books in Kalihi, uh, next to Helena's Hawaiian Food uh, at the intersection of School Street 
And as its name implies, uh, Aupuni Street. And that was 20 years ago. So Aupuni, government, kingdom, dominion, nation, people under a ruler, national. Since its beginnings, Aupuni has held space and time for marginality. My use of this term, marginality, is in line with author and social activist Bell Hooks' formulation. That is, marginality names a central location. A central location for the production of a counter-hegemonic discourse that is not just found in words, but in habits of being and the way one lives. Marginality. Hello, my Kako. My name's Drew. Uh, I'm grateful to be here with all of you. Thanks for showing up. Um, Donnie, can you move a little to your right so I can read that? Oh, Pulvaina Flag Day. Bring ginger, yellow and white, broken socks with glossy leaves. Bring lehulu, palapalai, pikake. Bring kapa, beaten fine as skin. Bring the children to chant for our dead, then stand with the lahui and burn their American flag. So in honor of the exhibition's title poem by Hananike Trask, which I just read off the front door uh, of the venue, I'd like to turn our attention to a few excerpts from another text by Kumu Trask, Coalitions Between Natives and Non-Natives, written in 1990 as a speech to be delivered at the Second Women of Color and the Law Conference. It was first published after heated debate in the Stanford Law Review in 1991. Uh, nearly three decades later, as part of our conversation today, uh, this text serves as a point of departure, and crucially not as a point of arrival. So from the opening paragraph, given our plight as native colonized people, including our numerical minority in our homeland, the politics of coalitions in Hawaii are very telling. They reveal the separateness of native people's histories from settler histories and the resulting conflicts that arise when natives and non-natives work together, especially in the area of native claims including cultural claims as the first people of the land. Uh, continuing on several pages later. This brings me to some hard-won understanding. For native peoples controlled by America, coalitions with non-natives must be temporary and issue-oriented. We need to see such coalitions as immediate means to an immediate end not as long-term answers to long-term goals. And finally, from the closing paragraphs, in sum, I think coalitions need to be viewed by Native people in the context of immediate politics. To the extent that coalitions take us away from our people or divert our energies, they are a waste of effort and may actually be detrimental to us. At a certain early historical stage, coalitions with non-natives may work. At later, perhaps more developed stages, when natives are asserting their sovereignty, for example, 
coalitions don't usually work. So uh, I read from, from that essay because um, the work contributed to this show uh, was made with another. It was a collaborative work uh, between myself and um, Sansia Shiba. So 3254 Wailayav, Honolulu, Hawaii, 96816, 7.12 a.m. to 6.12 p.m., January 17th, 2020. Uh, it's a work that Santia and I would like to position um, within a discussion of native-non-native collaboration. So not coalitions between native and non-natives, but native-non-native collaboration. Um, the shift from coalition to collaboration is especially significant for us. Counter to Kumutrask's thoughts on native-non-native coalitions, which she adamantly believes should be temporary and issue-oriented, i.e. immediate means for immediate ends, Santia and I stand committed to the transformative potential of long-term collaboration for combined long-term action in both specific and general instances. So the video work that um, some of you had a chance to see earlier was materialized out of what we hope will be an ongoing native-non-native collaboration against empire and its afterlives here in Kopaiaina o Hawaii. In the more immediate context of this exhibition, we feel the work helps to stretch the boundaries of an otherwise Kanaka-centric endeavor. As the only native, non-native collaboration included in the exhibition, the video and the practice behind it hold space and time for intersectional struggles, for the possibilities of allyship, for overlapping beliefs, and for shared causes. And it's our hope that it does so um, without flattening difference, um, but instead situating difference in relation. Um, I think ultimately for us, uh, ours is an effort uh, of nuance. Mahalo, Drew. <clears throat> um, next, I'd like to introduce Nanea Lam. Um, uh, Nanea Lam is currently a graduate student of the University of Hawaii at Manoa in the Masters of Fine Arts program of the Department of Art and Art History. Her areas of specialization include Hawaiian traditional craft techniques and art pedagogy involving place-based learning and indigenous knowledge. Her research-based practice ranges from kapa to large-scale oil paintings. Uh, Nanea's kapa is produced from plant material that she personally harvested and processed, dyed with inks from homemade charcoal, earth pigments, and plants. Her paintings are abstract land and oceanscapes, which apply cultural concepts of creation that bridge worlds between creation and creating. Um, and for this exhibition, um, Nenea was the only artist to have multiple works in the show. Um, the first piece, Analogous One, was made in 2015 um, as a part of Contact 2015, um, curated by Nahiraka Mason and Noel Kahanu, who we have here with us. Um, and then the second piece, um, Untitled Bloody Flag, 
um, was created five years later in 2020, this year, for this show. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to, to Nanea um, to talk about some of her thinking behind um, the two works um, and kind of, yeah, the five years between, the time between. <laughs> Thank you for that wonderful introduction and mahalo, Drew, for always really um, giving the sources and resources for all of us. Um, as a Native Hawaiian artist, born and raised O'ahu, um, I've always looked to these kumu, these sources of knowledge that um, are either ed educational tools through the University of Hawaii, through your public education institution. Um, but we know here in Hawaii that um, knowledge is exchanged through time, generations, and uh, especially through culture, cultural practice and through people. Um, Things that Drew researches and Josh research um, and all of the scholars that come before me, I really mahalo them deeply because um, as maybe I'm technically not the youngest artist in this show anymore, but from from where I from where I come from, I've always seemed like the 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 keiki in the group or someone up and coming. And um, I've come to a full realization now that I'm such a benefactor. I, I, I um, have to mahalo people like Honani K. Trask and um, Miley Meyer, who started Pu'uhonua Society and who has um, championed um, arts. And currently I, I work with a Alliance for the Arts. And um, all the, what that all means to me as... Um, an artist who works in many different mediums, many different um, ways of knowing, is I'm producing knowledge by making. So all the ways that I'm I'm making statements or making um, paintings, making kappa, I'm forwarding the knowledge that is passed through me onto the the next generation. And so um, something that I thought about the most when Josh proposed this show, Hi Hawaii Ia, um, sorry, Hi Hawaii, Ho'ailona Ia, um, is that it's been 127 years that the Kingdom of Hawaii is occupied by the American government. And um, the date of the overthrow, um, somebody with really good history, January 17th, 1893 all of those numbers um so that that date um that just passed by us on the same date as a, the opening of this um show is a reflection of nationalism in the wake of the generations that are coming up who are who are sovereign who are sovereign of mind, body, who aloha aina, who malama aina. Um, I wanted to really talk to them. So there's been, um, you know, discussion around the show of why did you make this flag, bloody flag, and why is this um, second piece so veiled and so um, difficult to kind of look at and 
Uh, I'm talking about a flag that is very formulaic. It's one is upside down, one is um, the right side up, and they're matte colors. And this is taking reference to the Joseph Albers color studies, um, color theory study. And um, that, that 150 color plates that he published was demonstrating principles of color relativity, intensity, temperature, um, all of these theoretical frameworks for looking at color and, and, and how we can um, describe meaning or analyze the color usage of artists through history, especially in Bauhaus and um, other Western uh, methods for uh, decorating. That's, that's the way I would say it. But um, I f see color as language and the fact that the Hawaiian language was oppressed in, in our native land is a um, context that I want to unpack. So um, if you're someone who is multilingual, like I speak English and Hawaiian, um, I also speak painting, oil painting. And to me, that kind of means that where I want to really make a, f a point formally, I want to um, use those languages in formulas. So um, Joseph Albers, he created context for understanding color by relativity, where we can only sense something, uh, a um, the mean uh, the sensation of a color in its context or uh, replacing its context in order to um, in order to identify it completely. So for me, um, making a painting that has a flag upside down and one right side up is looking at signs and how color embodies signs and produces meaning uh, without Hawaiian language without English, but with color and and sensation. Um, that piece is really like if you don't have the Joseph Albers reference to kind of look at this from. Um, to me, it's a lot about sensing where you fall within the context of that formula. Um, does your your eye or your um, being rest within the flag being right side up as a sign? Or does your being rest with it being right side up? Um, growing up in Hawaii, you, there's a lot of questions in certain areas of, well, all the flags are upside down, and what does that mean? And then in certain places of Hawaii, the flag's right side up, and it's beneath the American flag. And sometimes there's a McDonald's flag right underneath it, too. And all of those... Um, Symbols, those hierarchies are all um, a formula for trying to put yourself in context with identity being here in Hawaii. Um, the second thing that I made in response to all of these ideas is the bloody flag. And that one is a more literal reference to a memory and an event that happened um, in 2019 on Mauna Kea. Um, where there was a temporary structure built to um, provide safety and provide shelter for people demonstrating peacefully on Mauna Kea. 
there was a police officer who intentionally sawed the flag, the Hawaiian flag, in half to produce or incite violence. And um, I think instead of inciting violence, there is this um, deep connection between how we as people embody our, our nation and embody our signs and symbols in a collective. So there wasn't a good memory attached to that. There, was, there wasn't um, much good to say about what he did to the, the Hawaiian flag, except that all of us felt it as one. So there's this embodying factor to violence and trauma and also what do we mean by standing by our flag and letting the the whole Ailona play out. Yeah, I think that's the most that I really want to say about my pieces. Mahalo. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess... Um what I want to do is open it up to, to questions. Um, I did have a question in there for you um, that I wanted to ask you. On the night of the opening, I did. Um, somebody was telling me about a kind of like a unique form of colorblindness, like yeah. that um, men are more susceptible susceptible to than women, where it's called red green colorblindness. So, um, where when you can't read those those um, colors, you you know just end up seeing two kinds of gray squares uh, so I guess when you don't have the language or you can't physically talk about color um, I guess what does that have any does that lend any kind of insight or meaning into what you're trying to communicate in that piece mm, to be honest I knew that some people with color blindness were just gonna see this as completely flat but part of um the production of this was just to think logically and formulaically um, using subversion techniques. So where um, there is a clear language and a clear statement, I just switched out the, the, the technique to suit my statement. So if someone can't see red or green, I hope they can see the texture of the flag because there is um, a texture there that is orienting the flag, either upside down or right side up. And then also the middle square that, that is in between both both contexts or both... Um, yeah. That, so that's a technique of, of relativity. And that's also really interesting because if, if you can't see the relationship, then it kind of goes back to you and where you locate yourself within relationships. Maybe there isn't one. Yeah. Or there is one and, and color is just not your thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. Um, I do want to just, if anybody has any questions, feel free to um, kind of jump in. Um, but maybe a question for Drew. Um, you know, I'm talking about relationship, collaboration, coalition. Yeah. Um, wondering, just thinking about why coalitions fail and what's the potential in collaboration or what makes that, what makes collaboration um, a way forward? Um, 
maybe we can think about that or talk about that. You did talk about like the potential for mutual understanding and um, relation in collaboration. I can speak to that question um, with regards to the text that I referenced to just sort of keep it bound to a conversation that's already started. Um, I think sometimes coalitions uh, are not successful in their aim um, because if we follow Kumuchask's line of thinking, um, there are irreconcilable differences between the members that make up um, a coalition. And sometimes those differences fall along a line of that's as simple or complex as native and non-native. Um, you know, <laughs> in terms of collaboration, I don't think that, uh, that collaboration is always aimed at an end result. So there isn't the same kind of... Um, there aren't the same kind of stakes. So if you fail in a collaboration, it doesn't have to dissolve or become about um, forcing people into boxes based on identity or ethnicity or politic because you're not trying to achieve a specific goal. You're trying to work together. Um, and I think that I'm more interested in relationships that are not necessarily bound to uh, a particular goal or a particular outcome as an artist um, I'm, I'm interested in the process and I think collaboration lends itself to process in a different way than coalition does but if you ask Sansia she might say something totally different so yeah nationalism versus the idea of Lahui. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Lahui is like the day that we get together. So on, a, on any given day when we hui together. Yeah. And um, as, so collaboration or coalition, I think Lahui falls in, is kind of the overlap for all of those, those ideas where um, you're going to feel secure in helping your neighbor versus someone that you don't, ag you don't agree with. But when you're working on something together, that's going to be a collaboration, no matter if it's n native, non-native. So I think there's, there's a lot of nuances that, are, that, that is happening, and it's very timely um, as we're thinking about nation and, and what a uh, Hawaiian kingdom would look like in this day and age, right? Yeah. Uh, hi, my name is Alex Singer. Um, I'm uh, very interested in Apuni space, and it's uh, thank you so much for speaking tonight, and it's great to hear the history about it, um, and great to think about art in this context, I think, right? Instead of just a party, because it's both. Um, uh, I have two questions. One of them is, is there uh, an institutional interest in this show? Like, has there been any uh, institu in, yeah, institutional interest in this show or the pieces specifically? And then two is, um, might be a, uh, I can, maybe you've already said it, but is there, is there something to be taken away from this directly from your point of view? You know, something that this incites 
or um, you see a direct ripple effect and do you, do you know what that is or does that or does that not exist oh hmm. i don't know i i in curating this show i didn't really have any um institution or any in, any institution in my mind as i was making this show it was definitely <laughs> about the artist what was asked I think I think there was a really special dedication to the Lahui, mm-hmm. you know, because we we opened on a auspicious day and there was um, a call out for please bring your high, you know. So it was inviting really specific members of our community who may not be artists, who may not be from an institution of art, but. Uh, sort of like the the ways that I, I'm building an artist community out of the Hawaiians who are here is mm-hmm. by letting them know that the way that they that they live is an art form and we have to support each other in that and all the things that we make in collaboration mm-hmm. are really the the works that we can continue discuss discussing and unpacking and yeah. Um, and I want to thank you because the show invites a deeper conversation around the meaning of high. And, and I say that because I think we're sort of on this almost like a dangerous precipice where, say, Mauna Kea, it's, all, it's everywhere. The, the commercialization um, in a way that I find problematic. You know what I mean? Like now everybody's wearing the flag. Like it's on a pair of, you know, it was like on the booty of somebody's shorts. Like there, there are some things that I think it's not for, it shouldn't be everywhere for everyone. It was for a specific purpose. And so I appreciate that the, that the exhibition brings up sort of deeper conversations and meanings about what, what does high mean? What did it traditionally mean? What does it mean to us today? And so I'm wondering whether you guys can address this issue of when is it nation building and, and, and supporting a, a larger vision of Lahui and when does it become this point of like crash crass commercialization when people are just cranking it out almost with no regard for its its meaning and I don't want to be judgmental about that but I just want to like invite the conversation about kind of where we're at at this moment thank you try to elaborate on that a little more clearly to to answer that question is like um, so the flag the hawaiian flag the state flag it was um put together historically to make a distinction of hawaii as a nation on the world stage and um that that context itself is a um a pre- like it's a form of oppression like you don't exist unless you have this sign or symbol to represent you and the people associated with you and without representation then we'll just take you and and take you on um the british jack that is on the hawaiian flag that's that's a 
a point of discussion for a lot of people uh, who are Hawaiian who wonder if that is a symbol that we still want as the flag. Our Hawaiian fl- to to represent Hawaiianness with um, you know my painting was first produced for the show um, with the theme on being Hawaiian the essay by John Dominus Holt talking about um, being a part of a nation or feeling sovereign and I think that that's a really um, crucial point for people in within their own introspection of when they're nation building, when they're gathering with their lahui and have their high with them, or whether you're at home and you're in your yard and you want to look at the high upside down every day. That's sort of a, a distinction as um, you cannot just make any kind with the flag, right? You can't put it on booty shorts. And if you are going to have it upside down in, at your home or flying on your truck, Maybe you should know exactly like what that message is. What is that meaning behind your sign? Yeah. Thanks for that question, Noel. Um, my answer is kind of short and potentially offensive, but um, when considering consumption, uh, I don't think that there are ever any lines that are drawn. All material is available to be consumed. And um, the metabolism of a nation, recognized or unrecognized, changes depending on um, the environmental conditions and the internal dynamics. And in that sense, I think um, the high will always be consumed uh, on some level or another um, to different degrees at different times. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and on that note, I, I don't know if I have an answer for that that question, but like as I sit here thinking about it, I'm looking at a high Hawaii quilt, um, yeah. which was made in the Philippines by four unknown makers from Luzon. Um, I mean, the pres- its presence in this show um, is because I see it as a Hawaiian object um, within the tradition of quilt making. Um, high Hawaii quilts you know, spread um, rapidly in secrecy after 1893 um, and was used as a form of protest. Um, Public displays of support of the monarchy were forbidden because of um, the provisional government. It was considered treasonous. Um, So, yeah, in thinking about the production and the form of this this object, um, the maker... Makers are, are not from here. It, outsourced cheap labor was used in the production of this, but um, I don't know. It's still something that, you know, it's, it's cherished and valued, and I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about in terms of that question. Yeah. Um, in speaking about the quilt, it makes me think about the way, as if you could talk a little bit um, about, as a curator, the way that you decided to include the quilt and the poem on the front door and then even in um, uh, the placement of uh, Jane Changmi's Aloha Oi piece and then um, basically under uh, Josiah Patterson's I don't remember the name of the piece but it's basically a, a photograph of um, Hai Hawaii in 
on Kohalave, is that correct? So if you talk a little bit about the way as a curator you um, made conversations between different artworks and pieces and I mean, now that um, thinking about collaboration, I, I see, um, I don't know, the, the, I guess the potential in curating and in organizing works in, in um, creating a collaboration almost between like Jane's work and, um, and Josiah's. But um, what you see in Josiah's work is a photograph. It was taken on Koho'olawe. Um, what it depicts is um, a Hawaiian flag limp, not caught by the wind, kind of foregrounded by um, kiave trees. Um, for me, the, the photograph kind of speaks to, um, I mean, knowing that it was taken on Ko'olave, it really um, speaks to the trauma of what happened on Ko'olave, um, what it did to the land and to the nation, um, and then that in relationship to uh, Jane Changmi's work, which is a video work um, in which she's standing on the Arizona Memorial filming the American flag in the reflection of the water. Both um, the American flag is also kind of in a, a limp sort of um, position. And, and um, in that piece, Jane is also, um, or she, the piece is, um, has a soundtrack, and it's Aloha Oe, by, um, written by Queen Lili Okalani, per- perhaps her most famous composition. But um, in that piece, I feel like Jane is really considering kind of the fall of empire um, with this kind of, kind of sinking, almost, U.S. flag. Um, and then, and then um, the flag quilt in relationship to um, Lehua Uweke Fernandez's wearable piece. Um, where the hand of the artist is very present in this work and each of the kind of um, she's really interested in the history and the stories and the genealogy of all of the materials that she um, is using Um, and yeah I think I think there's so many relationships in this in this exhibition of I mean even with with Bernice's kappa piece the kappa high um, in which she's, she is referencing kapa, which was used before um, kind of quilt-making methods. Um, and this piece is a study for kapa moi, which is like a large um, sleeping kapa, which is you know, typically like six feet, one continuous piece of kapa or, or larger. Um, so I guess as a, as a curator, I'm constantly thinking about relationships. And you know, the poem is kind of a, a, a primer for people coming in here. I kind of see these as little effigies in a way, um, but yeah. Um, so, as artists and you know the curator of the space, how have do you have how have you folks kind of reconciled the um, the red, yellow, green flag? And I don't even know what to really call it. Um, it has many names, and yeah, and compared to the originality of you know Kamehameha's flag. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a historical, right, basis for Kamehameha's flag. And, you know, there seems to be this kind of, like, mythology around this, the Kanaka Mali flag. Um, I think, you know, both have become symbols of the Lahui. And I'm not, like, I don't know, I don't, um, and I don't really want to comment on <laughs> what's right. <laughs> I think the decision to fly a flag 
regardless of what that flag is or isn't, um, is, a, is a decision. Personally, um, when I see flags, I kind of go the other way. Um, all flags waver, but for me, they're, um, they have a certain potency that I'm not particularly um, drawn to. So regardless of red, yellow, green, or red, white, and blue, I think um, it's the decision to fly the flag that is, is of interest to this show and, and to me as an artist. So from, from my understanding, the flag bef- that, that is representing um, a system before the Mahele is I mean, I'm not 100% sure if that's the symbolization of red, yellow, green, but the split paddle has to do with land being um, maheled out. And I think it all has to do, again, with your association to sovereignty. Like, are you, do you feel that you are sovereign mind and body along with your community members in, in, uh, taking care of resources and thinking about those resources as ohana and then beyond that there's obviously a real interrelation of the the world stage and the nationalistic powers globally and how do we how do we stand for ourselves collectively so it's it's um symbols waver they come and go based on how we how we're forced to relate ourselves to the larger dynamics like Drew I have a little problem with with the flying of flags uh, regardless on where you are and whose flag you're holding up um, a similar aggression comes with flying your flag even though it's wavering um, in particularly, I like this Bernice Akamine piece because it's white, and the only thing, all, the only flag worth waving is the surrender flag. And b- in some ways, to me, that's kind of a, a vulnerability is in that piece. That's that's kind of um, nice, you know. Although it has the Hawaiian flag within it. Um, the white flag of surrender is also, I think, a part of that piece. And also the fact that it's kappa, which is, you know, many references. It's not really a question, so sorry. I just wanted to, because your backdrop is such a nice backdrop. And I beat kappa, and so personally there's this relationship between the kauna the kauna that's left behind by the artist and um, kauna for for those who just don't speak Hawaiian is um, a kind of embedded or double meaning or um, something that references other associations and so um, you want to get up close to this because you'll notice that the watermark is a different pattern and texture than the large the the pattern that's left behind, which is the flag, and and that's a different, really different contemporary way to treat that, like traditional material. 
So, yeah, I like re your reference. <laughs> I might, my question might be confused. I, I'm Songhuan Kim, artist. And um, it could be confusing because I'm not, uh, sometimes I'm trying to understand as I'm asking questions. And um, when, uh, when you use the word colonize, but also in English, using the language of English, or when one says commercialized, but related to paying rental fee or everything has to do with the commerce in these days, how do you, um, psychologically when you're making a piece, is it, about, is it about uniting some kind of like imaginary people who have attachment to this image, or is it going toward another kind of like imaginary group that doesn't exist yet? exist yet that you're, you want to create? Or is it about honoring some kind of people who have passed that you identify with? I uh, just uh, heard from Eli Kazan, the director, who talks about um, if one side is right, it's melodrama. If two sides is right, it's tragedy. Mm -hmm. So when you um, are making a a piece with something that is so uh, strongly associated with nationalism, which also created so many problems in the world, as we know, don't have to explain it. Uh, where are you going with this object? Who are you? Who's your audience? That's my question. I'll just, I started touching on that of like who who is going to understand these pieces? Like like if you if you're if you're coming from an artist perspective or if you're a painter especially someone who works with color you're going to have a Joseph Albers reference in looking at the formula that, that I produced my piece out of um, but if you're somebody who recognizes the signs and symbols of the, the Hawaiian flag being upside down or right side up um, there is a specific group or hui that recognizes those signs and symbols, and we don't all we don't all know each other, but um, we know what each other feels, kind of when we discuss uh, when we discuss a symbol like that. So when you ask, is this an imaginary collective that under is this piece for them? Um, it sort of is, but it it's we're we're definitely real. We're just not. Um, unified by one flag or one um, greater power. I think we're all just um, as individuals making associations and reading statements all over the place and, and really producing our own opinions but those opinions are um, collectively that malama aina like this is our Land. This is our Pai Aina Hawaii. And whether that's a nationalistic perspective, it comes from the dynamic of power that is, that is at play that we're all forced to, to come into contact with. Mahalo. Um, so... Uh, so actually, the earliest reference to a flag or colors really was, I want to say it's like 1803. It's really early. It's Kamehameha I. 
and he sends a letter. Uh, he dictates it, and um, it's carried to London, and he's asking for colors, um, and it has to do with protection. It has to do with the fact that Hawaii is being um, visited by so many nations, and it has to do with with flying colors on a ship, so that you can fly, you can sail into other people's territory, but you are enveloped by the protection of the British flag. Um, but he, in exchange, or as a, uh, in connection with that letter, sends a, a, cl- a cloak, a Hawaiian feathered cloak, um, almost as a way of like off, um, validating his authority to make that request. Um, and, and it is really clear, and um, Keanu Sai writes about this, this idea that, that um, Kamehameha I and probably the second viewed the British as having a protectorate over Hawaii. And so this idea of the flag of the high is really reflecting the changing nature of Hawaii's view of itself in a global context, right? So it's like, at one point, it stands for protectionism. At another point, it stands for emerging nationalism. And, and at another point, it stands for opposition to America and who we are as Hawaiians today. So I think that's what's fascinating about the ability of artists here today to really address at various points this, this, this relationship this contested relationship that Hawaii has always kind of had with this symbol um, and that that meaning has shifted over time. The feather cloak, that to me is, um, that's a formula of like values exchanged right there is that the um, ali'i exchanged one of their most valuable objects in order to get that recognition from a, a another nation and that symbology is sign I don't know that that is still making relationships to signs but it's a really interesting one mahalo everyone for coming uh, mahalo to our artists Nanea and Drew mahalo to Nohea of Native Stories podcast and mahalo to everyone for coming tonight <laughs> Thank you for listening to us on Native Stories. Navigate through location-based stories on our Native Stories mobile app. You can find it on Apple and Android stores under Native Stories. Go check them out and leave a review and tell your family and friends. If you have a story you would like us to tell or want to sponsor a future podcast, location story, or walking tour, please email us at info at nativestories.org. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook under username our native stories.